0: Hi! Welcome to the Active Listening Podcast. Today I will be interviewing someone who is very near and dear to me, my sister-in-law Jeanette Drost. She is a beautiful soul who has been with me through good and bad. She has four wonderful little boys and a great husband, enjoys spending many an hour tending to her precious flowers and dreaming about all of life's possibilities. She will be sharing her story on finding community within the church and what that looks like. I'm thrilled that you will get to listen in on a conversation with someone I love. Let's begin! Well, hi, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Jeanette Dross to the podcast today. She currently lives in Elora, Ontario with her husband and four young boys. She's my sister-in-law and good, good friend. And we've had many chats over the years, and I'm so thrilled you get to listen in on this one. We're going to be talking about church and community. So thanks for joining me, Jeanette. Well, thanks for having me because
1: I don't think I've ever been interviewed before. So this is, this is really fun.
0: Yay. So exciting. All right, well, we'll just jump right in with some of your history and your background with what it was like for you growing up in church. And your grandfather was a pastor, so tell me
1: a bit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my grandpa founded the church that I grew up in, so for me growing up, it was a very secure environment. We were part of two big families in the church that my mom's side and my dad's side made up probably 70% of the church. Yeah. So it was very, very secure cousins everywhere. I've got oh, like probably 70 first cousins yeah. alone. So it you know, not family to marry into, <laughs> right? Yes. Where everybody knows your name, Mariana, cause you married in, but you had to remember yes. dozens and dozens. So it was very secure. Um, my grandparents' house was actually attached to the church. So after church was done, all of us kids would run into the house, and my grandma would make buns with cheese, and we'd watch my uncles play Nintendo. And it, I realize now looking back that we were th- those of us who were family were pretty entitled um, and in a different position than the other kids in church. So I don't know that we would have done anything differently, but just growing up, it was very secure for us, very, yeah. very safe. So what was your favorite part of church then? Um, well, favorite part, it still happens at that church, which we're not at the church anymore, but it is the weekly summer camp meetings where the entire church would set up trailers and tents and we would camp in the back for the whole week and yeah. kids would run around and there was a snack barn and everybody was in everybody else's business. And, you know, sometimes you're borrowing kids and, and, uh, Making dinner for who knows who. And so even though we're not at the church anymore, I still go most years. Yeah, um, that just happened yeah, this past week. Yeah, it just happened this past week and it, I didn't make it out this year, which I was really bummed about. I think did you went, right? Yeah, yeah, you went. It was great. Yeah. Great fun. Yeah, to see grandparents and aunts and uncles, but, and also the the people that I've grown up with. And it's just such a, such a bonding experience as a church because that's when you're really living together in a camp environment battling mosquitoes together and (laughs) lots of meetings, but, um, and kids programs that, that was always a highlight. Yeah. That's where the real conversations Mm and the community really happens. Yeah. And then as I got older, I was part of the youth group, um, which was also small, close knit. And then I was part of the worship team, which was just starting, um, Al Katerberg, my mom's cousin. Al, if you're listening, I'm so <laughs> thankful for you because that was huge for my growth as a teen. And then, and feeling like I was part of. A team that was actually doing something like our music was pretty good for what we had back then. And that was what launched me into eventually going to Australia. So, all of those things combined, I'm so thankful for. Awesome. Knowing about the large family that you come from, Mm -hmm.
0: the community was kind of built in for you already. So, you mentioned Australia. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose to leave home
1: after high school and go to Australia? Um, a few reasons, I think part of it, of course, was the adventure, the idea of going off on my own to the, you know, one of the great, best countries on earth. And it really was paradise. So that, that was a big part of it. But it was actually my dad who. Strongly encouraged me to go to Bible college there. I don't know if I would have even thought to do it if he hadn't put the idea in my head. And from there, they were, they really encouraged me, you know, helping me get in the applications and just the whole process, um, pushing me all along the way. And looking at this now, I've noticed over the last number of years, this is of course a broad generalization, but I see parents who release their kids and gently in love push them to go out in the world. It, it makes you as a kid want to come back because you know you have a safe environment, but also that your parents believe in you and you can do anything you want. But but then you want to come back to that closeness after you've had a chance to stretch your wings. Um, that, of course, is not for everybody, but I think that happens often. Whereas I saw some of my other peers and, and friends, even ones at Bible College, who had been Allowed to go by their parents with the condition that you know we're we're expecting you're only going to go for a year you're going to come back yeah, again yeah. either come back and be involved in your church again that you've grown up with or the church would send you as a teen to get resourced and equipped to come back to your church right or if you find somebody to marry over there they better come back <laughs> here to Canada and and that. Like I I get it, but because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, when our boys are growing up, like I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to listen to my own words here. but when I see parents do that, then um, the kids just wanna leave and stretch their own wings and fight against that. So, anyways, all that to say, I'm so thankful for parents who released me and um, let me go on the adventure. And I wanted to. To also be part of the church culture there, they're really making um, huge inroads into worship team or worship, Christian worship music, um, changing the stereotype of church. So I wanted to be part
0: of all that. Yeah. So how did this experience affect you then?
1: It inspired me hugely. I came away with tons of ideas. That's how I got my in graphic design by seeing how well things were done there and wanting to be part of that, um, It was also really good for me to be a small fish in a big pond instead of being, you know, at our, the church I grew up in, I was involved in absolutely everything. Like I was even, I remember grade eight helping make the church bulletins and just doing everything, right? But then here, all of a sudden, you are one of many who are all trying to make it big there. And it was, it was a really humbling experience, but Mm -hmm. also incredibly incredibly inspiring but what I realized most of all is that it wasn't for me it wasn't at all about the college courses they not that they weren't great but it was about the people that I met there the life that I had there Um, our small groups that were um, outside of school hours and being part I was part of the worship team as well there which was another community those were really what left an impact on me it wasn't so much the the college itself
0: Right. So were you able to find a sense of community while you were there, or did you feel kind of like you were
1: floating in this big sea of other people? (laughs) Well, it was definitely daunting arriving. I didn't know a single person and here the college had matched us up with, with housemates. So we were all in different houses together. So right off the bat, we were placed with girls, some of who clicked and some who didn't, there were in first year housing. It was, I'm sure you can imagine all the different scenarios. <laughs> and yeah, we, we had a bit of all of it, but the the benefit was that there were so many of us all trying to make community at the same time, all trying to be friends. So the first week that we were there, all of us girls in our house just said, Hey, we're going to have a party. And we had, I think 70 people come right, over to was yeah. that first week. So it, it was easy to make friends, but the community part took, it was probably a year and a, a year and a half when I started interning um, with a couple and then being part of more of a close knit group. I was in their small group. That's when it started to feel like community before that it was just a bunch of friends hanging out.
0: And is that when you decided to take the extra year?
1: Yeah. So I, a year and a half in, I was only going to be there for two years, and I decided to stay for a third because I had this opportunity to intern and be even more involved in what was happening yeah. you know, from a behind-the-scenes level, like a staff. Not I wasn't a paid staff, but I was interning in the department, and, and that was amazing.
0: Yeah. So looking back on that experience, what would be your one major takeaway from going away And then coming home.
1: Major takeaway would be now when I first left, um, it was, I came back with all these ideas for how to make church better Um, ways to just, you know, that people would come into the church and wow, I can't believe this is church. (laughs) So that was my initial main takeaway. But now when I look back, I actually view quite a lot of things differently from a, from a beliefs perspective, not that the core has ever changed, but the ways of doing things I I think you and I both understand different sides of things now and not all about making it flashy and great, but just now I look back and I see the core of what changed me in those years were the people that I was with by far. That even now, if I I follow them on social media or whatever, and I think, yeah, i I I don't see things the same way anymore, but man, I love you as a person. I'm so thankful for what you poured into my life and I hope we can keep this friendship going. That is what I, what I love about it. That is so valuable yeah. to,
0: to know and understand. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So coming back, was it difficult for you to find your place again? Cause your family switched churches
1: while you were gone, right? Yes. So while I was in Australia, my family had their own transition um, coming to the church that we're all part of now. So that's a whole other story. So basically, I, I left the church I grew up in, went to Australia for three years, came back to a brand new church because mm-hmm. I'd already, already been feeling the... Not that it, I felt constrained or confined at the church I grew up in at all, I just it just wasn't fitting anymore. And I think often when you leave your home to go, or you have some major life change, Mm -hmm. and the people you've grown up with still view you the same, but really you you know that you have changed and you're different. So it actually was an amazing thing coming to a brand new church where I really had a a fresh start. So of course, the downside of that is you don't have history with people. So that that took a while to build. But I oh, I have to acknowledge that I had it so easy coming back because when I came back, my family, my siblings were already friends. Like, I know my sister was already friends with you. Yes. <laughs> so I just kind of slid into my siblings' friends. And then it was a little while after that that Dennis and I got engaged and married. So it all, for me, was easy hugely because of my family paving the way in relationships which I know when they started coming they really made a huge point of we're we're going to be involved in everything we're going to have people over we're going to be on again worship team was all my pretty much my whole family was involved in that so that's that's how it was for me oh and then I should also mention I came back and immediately had a job on staff because right. I was friends with our pastor's daughter and they got to know me and then yeah, <laughs> it just the evolved a little bit. It did. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned that you were on staff at church and volunteering on worship team and heavily involved as soon as you came back. Because, I mean, that was the culture that you were in at college. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, that would obviously translate into what you would want to do here. How do you feel that community and finding your place in church is translated into having real relationships with people?
1: Oh man, that is such a good question. Because it was easy for me as a single person coming in, being on staff, I was able to be involved in absolutely everything. And I think when we we have, at, and I'm talking about the general evangelical church, not just our own, but we have often these discipleship pathways, um, ways of getting people connected and our goal is usually to get people plugged in and serving, right? Yeah. So, if you're plugged in and serving, then you are able to be connected because you're part of a team. And I, I get the value of that, and it sure did work for me at the time. But that was again when I was single and able to be everywhere all the time. Yes. And now that I'm married <laughs> with kids, I'm, I'm realizing, wow, that that is not. A f- practical, feasible way for most people to build community. If you're serving in children's ministry um, twice a month with different people, that that's that's hard to do. So that's certainly something that Dennis and I have been thinking a lot about, talking about a lot. How can we move past just the being plugged in at church mm-hmm. to truly doing life with people, not just every time the doors are open, this flood of people come in or different um, short. Events or sessions, but an ongoing way of building life together. Yeah. Did you find that it was because you are a mom and you have kids
0: and life is a little bit different now that finding the time for real connection is hard?
1: It is and it isn't. Um, And this is where I, again, have to acknowledge I am coming at this. I think both of us from. Such a privileged position where totally. we have so much community, um, like extended family. Like in the last week, the, there was a baby shower and there was, um, the birthday party and there was, uh, whatever else. And we're going to have our small group again soon. And then getting together with you, now, yeah. which is great. Like, there, there's, there's no end of things for me. And I know that's not the case for everybody. So if you, if you're listening, I'm just picturing those of you who are listening and just aching and wishing, oh, I, I so long for that, for that extended family group of friends. And I just, I want to acknowledge that what you're doing is, is hard and it takes time and it, yeah. it history is not built in just a few months or even a few years. Yeah. So I, I just want to acknowledge that. If you're listening and thinking, oh man, I, I long for that. I would love to have too many people to get together with. I, I, I hear that and I, I recognize that this is such a, a privilege for us. Such a good problem to have, yeah. if you will. So yeah, my dad has said the other day, just, oh, so many people, so little time. And that is exactly how I feel.
0: So a couple of years ago, you mentioned a small group. You and your husband started a group in your home,
1: which mm-hmm.
0: I am a part of with my husband. And you have a couple, uh, other people that joined with you. So what was your motivation behind starting this in your home with others? Well, first of all, wait,
1: how many years have we been doing it? I think it's I think been it's over four, six, because Caleb, Caleb was really little. Was he? I think it's been six years. So which, man, that is blown. So yeah, we, we have, um, right now, six couples that we've been getting together with regularly, it's, it's morphed a little bit. It's a bit of comings and goings over the years. And we alternate it with sometimes with kids and sometimes yes. without. So I forget how many kids do we have right now? Like 14 oh, or 16. There's a lot. Like, they're all little <laughs> babies. and just, They're all under the age of seven. <laughs> it's chaos. But I love it too, because it's, oh man, it's so good for our kids to see us in community as parents, not just, not just them. Um, so we, we had decided, I guess six years ago, that we wanted to do a small group at our church that was more than just semester-based, because we've got those at our church, which are great for different topics, getting people together around um, an idea or a hobby or whatever. And those are fantastic. But we were looking for something more ongoing, where it's like, hey, we're going to commit to each other that we're going to do this. We started off every week, and then we moved to every other week. Um, But we're just going to do this indefinitely and see where it goes um we called it grassroots because we wanted to get down again to the grassroots of community and mm-hmm. church being people more so than programs so that was that has been such a gift to us we had a second group going for a while so we were alternating every week which ended up just being being too much for us to be able to sustain but but man, what a gift these have been to us. We started out talking about Sunday messages and going over them. And then we have since moved on to all sorts of topics, sometimes just hanging out. Um, and then it's also moved into, you know, someone has a baby and we all bring meals. And yeah. it, like and it, It's felt like a community.
0: It really right. has. Like, well, and as the relationships have deepened and gotten stronger, then you feel safe to be able to share yeah. what's really going on in your world. And that yeah. is... So valuable and so important. Yeah being healthy.
1: Yeah. We've had some pretty deep conversations. Yes, as, you know as Ariana, as it, you're, We're in this group together Yeah, and sometimes tears, lots of laughing. It, it's been real. And I remember I've mentioned this a number of times to other people, but one night we all went around and we all disclosed who we had voted for in the federal yes. election. <laughs> and we were as a group completely split between the three different yeah. parties, which was fascinating. But We all explained our reasons for it. And for every person, it was like, oh, yeah, I I totally get why you would have voted conservative or liberal or NDP. Like, yeah, that makes sense. So we all disagreed. You remember that night, right? Yeah, totally. And it turned out it was
0: more about who we are as people than who we voted for. Exactly. So we understood our values and what was important to us. And that was actually a really bonding night for a lot of us, I think. Yeah. To understand, okay, this is what is important to you. And I can appreciate that. Yeah.
1: And that we disagree on the um, on the topic or the um, decision or whatever, but I, as a person, I I can hear your side of view and I respect that. Yes, and I am learning myself. I am becoming a more rounded person because of your different opinion. So good. Yeah.
0: So, what would you say to somebody who's been trying? to find community, to, Mm -hmm. to join a group Mm -hmm. they've asked and they've invited and they've done so much, but it's going nowhere. How can we help them?
1: Oh man. For those of you who have been doing that, I applaud you. That is, that is tough. Um, and I think (laughs) like there's always going to be, uh, the in crowd, no matter what age you are. And I, and you want to be part of that, of course. Um, and I, I think I would just say, if you're trying and trying and you're not getting a no, but you're not getting a yes either, and it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. First of all, I would say, don't assume that they, that you're the problem or that they don't like you. It could be like we've been talking about. There's so much, th- those people may have so much going on that it, they really want to, and it might happen. And, and if it's with me personally, like keep, <laughs> keep asking, really keep asking. Um, but it, if it's not going anywhere with the people you want to get in with, then, You've got to look around too and think, man, who else? Who else is in the same position as me that also needs community? Let's just start our own, right? Right, and and go from there. And I know that's easier said than done. But again, about with building history, it to come into an established group, for right or wrong, it's just the nature of it that it's gonna take a long time before you have history, and that's where you really start to feel that you have family. And so, don't give up. Just. Keep at it. And in the meantime, find the people who also need the same thing that you do. Yes.
0: And that may take some guts. Yeah. It may take some courage to ask and to go maybe outside of what you feel is comfortable. Yeah. But in the end, they may be your people. Exactly. Yeah. So then what do you feel is the church's role in helping people find community? Does the church have a role in helping with that
1: Okay. So here, I think we're again talking about the evangelical church in general across the the institution of church, not the people necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I think the church, obviously, the goal is people. We all believe that. I think that right now our church culture is to do that through programs, a lot of programs or events, um, different. It was volunteering again. And all those, I think they have their place, but it's generally under the church umbrella. As an institution, so we end up with a lot of busyness, a lot of volunteering which has an appearance of being connected. If you're always there when the doors are open, it seems like you're really plugged in. but I think that can also be a hollow underneath mm, because yeah I I know I, I have so many acquaintances at church we're always rubbing shoulders with people, but it's not always true community, which is not that's not the fault of the church. it's just the way the structure works. So you see people infrequently enough or frequently enough that you feel like you're friends, but it's not frequent enough to actually do life together. And I think social media also plays into this a lot because on social media, you feel like, you know, people, right. Right. they're disclosing their lives. Um, So then it's someone posts something and then you reply, Oh, that's so wonderful. Hey, we should get together. Right. There's a lot of this kind of thing. Yes. Oh man. (laughs) Which it's not, it's not just that, the church is not doing well. It's that we as a culture have so many touch points at a surface level, which are all great. I would lose contact with people without that, but it's hard to build deep. You're building very shallow, but but not deep.
0: That is a really good point. And we don't actually acknowledge the fact that our culture and our social media play such a big factor into how we actually are doing church.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I can like I said I can think of 20 people right off the top yeah. of that friends that I would love to get together. And then this is where I, I if I have done this to you, people who are listening, I friends I was I I'm like, "Oh, I've so I so often come away from a Sunday saying to Dennis, "Oh man, I talked to this person and this person and I feel so energized and then I come home and then I think I'm I'm letting all these people down that I I'm saying let's get together or they're saying let's get together and yes, oh man, I would love to. I I can't. I don't have the the bandwidth. And so that's made it. It's something I am really trying to figure out. How can I develop all of these relationships? And of course, the answer is that you can't. Mm -hmm. So how
0: can we do this better and really make people feel like they
1: have a safe place to do life with others? As a church, how can we do this? Yeah. Um, Of course, the best way is always going to be preaching good news, preaching freedom, preaching um, life, and at the end of every every Sunday, people are coming away feeling like, oh, I am so right with God. I can live out of this. It makes me want to talk to people about it. It makes me want to spread the love that I've been given rather than feeling like, okay, I've got a whole bunch of things I got to work on, so I don't really have time to invest in other people because I've got to get my acts together. I think that is that is the core of it all. Yeah. Um, is fostering that. Um, uh, also we we're in a day and age right now where things have changed so much. We have so many podcasts yes. and resources and great speakers and teachings and books and whatever, um, that it's not that I don't get, get fed on Sundays. If you know what I mean, I'm saying that in quotes, because that's our own responsibility, but it, it's made me realize right now, our generation, we don't, always gravitate towards the idea of just being taught from the top down from some one one or a team of people. We love to be part of conversation. Yeah. Tossing around ideas. What resources have you found? What do you think about this idea? And so sometimes Dennis and I have thrown around crazy ideas of like, what if we just you know scrap the whole structure that we have mm-hmm. right now and there was none none of that no preconceived idea of what church should look like what would it be and maybe it would be just maybe there would no be no message from a preacher maybe it would be more of just a some sort of forum for sharing ideas um or extended child care where we can all yep. talk in the foyer and encourage the deep real conversations cuz i still do love that we're all getting together on a Sunday morning. That's where all our people are together. I love, I love that. I, the idea of house churches appeals to me, but then I think, oh, but then I would never see so-and-so and so-and-so, right? right?" Yeah. So, and we've mm -hmm. talked about it before in
0: that some of the most valuable times that we have at church on a Sunday is when we're in the foyer talking with people. Mm hmm And connecting with others that we haven't seen for a a bit or since last week. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) But especially when our kids are taken care of and we're able to focus on somebody. Yes. Yes.
1: That has been really valuable. Mm -hmm. Dennis has been giving me a huge gift lately where often after church, he will come take Finn out of my arms, our baby. He'll take baby out of my arms and put a cup of coffee in my (laughs) hand because he knows I would rather do the talking and he's fine to, you know, just chat with a couple people. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, so that, that is where real community happens. And that's where you end up saying, Hey, like, let's, yeah, why don't you come over after church? Then, then it starts to snowball from there. Whereas if you're in the service the whole time and then you're, you get out at the same time as your kids and the kids are hungry and, you know, yeah. angry and <laughs> it's a bit of an awkward time of day. <laughs> it is. So you kind of come away feeling like, Oh, I wish I could have connected with so and so. So I, I, making more space for that mm-hmm. would be, would be huge. I am curious what your thoughts
0: would be on helping people who are a little bit, more reserved when it comes to big groups of people and talking with others, like the people that leave right after a service Mm -hmm. or who don't know who to connect with Mm -hmm. in the big kerfuffle of people. Once this service gets let out. Yeah. Yeah. The people who slip through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. They get lost. Yeah. How, How
1: can we help them? Well, this is where I do strongly believe that small groups long-term small groups are so beneficial. Um, I'm thinking of a, a few friends that, that we've had who were part of our small group and kind of that have morphed over the years. And, and even though they're not part of our group now, they connected with each other right. while we were at the group. And now so awesome. Like that brings me so much joy to know that even though I, I can't be best friends with everybody, although I sure love hanging out with them <laughs> whenever I can, but that they've latched on to each other now mm-hmm. and have started their own. Like that has been so amazing. So if we can, if we can foster or create some sort of structure, maybe it has to be started as an actual structure where you can sign up to be in a group, but that that's a much less intimidating way for people to get to know each other, but it's not just temporary it's saying hey we'll we'll take you on to be part of our family for as long as you want or this works or whatever yeah, and that's so
0: needed mm-hmm. people have a deep desire to know that somebody cares yeah and that somebody's gonna be there for them when they go through hard stuff yeah like I don't know where I would be today if it hadn't been for my small community of people who were there for me through the hard stuff.
1: I'm so with you.
0: Yeah. Like we've had our fair share of struggles. I've shared on the podcast about some of it. And Mm -hmm. while we were going through it, we had our people, our tribe, Mm -hmm. our, our close knit community who said, no matter what happens, we're here for you. Yeah, And I feel like that's what people need. They need to know that they are safe.
1: Yeah. And also that's an interesting point that you, you needed your small group as well as give, as well as pouring into other people you were able to receive from others. And I, I read an article a while back that was talking about um, churches and their communities in their local neighborhood community and how often neighborhoods don't really trust the churches because the church churches are always saying here we're going to put on something for you this is for you this is for you but the article was saying churches need to be able to receive from their community that when you have a two-way relationship as neighbors or groups that's when you actually build real friendship because mm-hmm. you're saying not just i have something to offer you um and i'm putting myself in the position of strength over you but i'm putting myself in a vul- vulnerable position i i need you as much as you need me as a church, not just as individuals. So I thought that was really powerful.
0: Yeah. So how do you think that we could work together with our neighborhood community as well as our church community?
1: Do you have any ideas on how? <laughs> oh, man. I, that's something that I honestly, I don't know. I haven't given it much thought in terms of institution. It, I'm more thinking of it in terms of small, um, intimate relationship, community. Yeah. As as an institution, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we just need to stop putting on so many programs for the community and just start having more small groups and inviting our own neighbors to our own small groups and letting it grow organically like grassroots that people come in rather through the top funnel of programs. They come in through the bottom of friendships. Yeah. So good.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jeanette. I really appreciate what you have to say and your thoughts and input on this topic because I know that you have thought about it a lot over the years. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you have a -hmm. connect group that we do this every other week and it's your life Mm -hmm. learning how to do community and learning how to do it well. And I so appreciate that you guys took the leap Mm -hmm. to do something that nobody else is really doing Mm -hmm. to welcome people into your home and to say, we're going to do this and we're going to do this for the long haul Uh You can stick with us if you want
1: to, but you don't have to, but you (laughs) can count on us. And it's been such a gift to us too as well. And, and I would also say, I think, um, you know, Jesus talks about the narrow road. I, I think that I'm thinking, wondering more and more if I don't think mainstream Christianity is necessarily the narrow road because we have all our signposts. It's all paved for us. The discipleship pathways follow, you know, this is, this is your, 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 your road is laid out in front of you. But when you start asking the honest questions and being real with where you're at that's, that's where you find your true community, mm-hmm. the people who are willing to walk down the narrow road with you of wondering or exploring or questioning yes. as, a, as a way to learn and grow and hear each other's ideas. Right. And that's something that I
0: love about having our small group mm-hmm. that I feel... Safe to share the crazy thoughts that I might have about whatever topic it may be (laughs) (laughs) and know that you guys aren't going to go running (laughs) and you're not going to just leave us leave the friendship yeah yeah exactly thank you thank you as well thank you for for joining me today and being on the podcast and sharing your heart for others and just being real about your journey
1: so thank you oh this has been great I really enjoyed this thank you Thanks for listening to our episode with Jeanette.
0: I can't say enough how much I appreciate her friendship over the years. When you find a sense of community and have people you know you can count on, it makes a world of difference. My heart goes out to all of you on the journey of finding your place and people who will be your safe place. Continue to be brave, vulnerable, and give people your trust. Take a chance. You've got this. As a reminder, we may not always share the same viewpoints or opinions as our guests that our desire is for people to feel safe to join us at the table and on this journey of life together. We may not come to the same conclusions as Jeanette, and you might not either, but at least we can come together and bridge the divide with grace. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us at activelistening.life at gmail.com or we'll leave a review on iTunes.
1: See you next time!